You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Well, it's not Rick Franzi today, but hopefully I'll fill his shoes. I know that's a big task. He does an excellent job uh, bringing to light some of Orange County's not just the biggest ones, but some of the the uh, ones that fly under the radar as well here, uh, nonprofits we're talking about. I forgot how many nonprofits there are, but I want to say there's like thousands of them, and most of them struggle for the kind of attention that the big names do, the the Heart Fund and the Arthritis Foundation and all those organizations, wonderful organizations. But uh, this show not only gives them a chance to tell the story, but also some of the other organizations that you may not be aware of or in your own backyard. And today is no different. We have with us um, as our uh, guest this afternoon, Stephen Blythe. And I'm told you're with the Flying Doctors of Mercy. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you very much. What are? Uh, did I get that right? It's the Flying Doctors of Mercy? Yes, uh, Liga International is the name of the organization, and uh, we go by the Flying Doctors of Mercy, yes. And is this the same one that I hear about? It, it, it's founded in France, or it's a French organization, or is that another one? No, that would be another organization. Okay. Um, I, I'm assuming that's probably Doctors Without Borders. Doctors or, Without Borders, yes, that's the one that I've heard of. Very, very similar concept. Okay. Walk us through. What is the concept? What do you guys do? Well, since 1934, the Flying Doctors of Mercy have um, been creating miracles deep in the heart of Mexico, where only the employed... Uh, have the ability to get medical and dental care. Liga volunteers tens of thousands. Um, uh, uh, Liga volunteers treats tens of thousands of persons every single year and provides millions of dollars free of free medical services uh, to the local people. Pilots, medical personnel, translators, and other volunteers depart in general aviation aircraft from California, Arizona, and the Nevada area for their flights down to El Fuerte, Sinaloa, Mexico. We staff three clinics in central Mexico, which include five ORs, dental and audiologic facilities. And we work on the clinics on Friday afternoon and then all day on Saturday. And then we return home early on um, Sunday afternoon. While we've been away for only 48 hours, we've had the opportunity to change over 1,000 lives and have experienced a trip of a lifetime. As a side benefit um, to meeting all of the medical missions, we introduce many pilots to the art of flying in Mexico and train them on the procedures of crossing uh, the border, ADIZ, and um, flying, uh, filing EAPIS and dealing with all the challenges of customs and international uh, regulations. I'm sitting here with my mouth open because to think that there is a group of doctors and pilots and other support personnel who give them, this is all volunteer, right? It's 100% volunteer. Um, we we uh, we basically take uh, any donations we receive, and probably about 98% of those go directly to the uh, to, to the to the mission uh, down in Mexico. So, who pays for the fuel cost, for example, or the airtime, or the the planes, and all this stuff here? How do you cover that cost? Is that just a pilot owns a, a plane and he says, "I'll volunteer and fly down there"? Yeah, so I, I'm I'm a, a volunteer pilot for the organization. It costs me about three thousand dollars to fly down um, for the for the weekend uh, with fuel and and uh, depreciation on the aircraft, et cetera. Right. Um, but uh, what happens is each of the volunteers pay uh, around two hundred dollars uh, to cover some of the direct out of pocket costs, such as uh, the fuel. Uh, and so you get uh, three passengers plus the pilot. He's paying you know uh, two hundred dollars towards it. That at least gets uh, eight hundred dollars. Uh, towards the out-of-pocket costs of the pilot uh, going down. Depending upon the size of the plane or, or, or the class of the plane, uh, that may cover all of their direct expenses. Uh, in my case, it, it covers a portion of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, the, the volunteers are, are typically paying somewhere in the range of uh, 300 to $500 for the weekend. Uh, that covers their hotel, their food, uh, entertainment down there, and uh, uh, and and their portion of this. So this is one of the few t- times when you actually volunteer, and it costs you money. It doesn't, it isn't just going to work at the soup kitchen where you're doing something beneficial and giving of yourself, but you're actually giving of your pocketbook here, too, to volunteer to do this. Yeah, it's a significant uh, commitment. We we have not only, uh, you know, three to five hundred dollars that you're out of pocket on, but you're also going for a long weekend. You're, you know, most of the people are taking Friday all the people are taking Friday off uh, to go down there, so they're, they're losing a day's worth of work effectively. 
uh, they're spending three solid days down there, and uh, and then they have out of pocket. So the obvious question to ask is, why do you do it? Well, I, I think that the um, the real benefit uh, that you get is, um, you know, that you 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 get more or you receive more than you give. <laughs> I, it might sound like a, a little bit of a, a cliche, but it's true. You know, the more I give to Liga, the more I receive. It's a, a very uplifting experience um, uh, that you get in a single weekend. You can have a significant impact on the lives of so many that are less fortunate than us. Uh, and I return home every every weekend with a great uh, feeling and satisfaction for what I do. Uh, I've developed uh, lifetime uh, friendships and relationships with hundreds of other volunteers and pilots. Um, and it's actually a, a fun uh, weekend experience um, uh, with friends. And the, and the side benefit is is that I'm helping you know hundreds and hundreds of, of people uh, at the same time. You know, it struck. I, I was hoping you were going to say that. I was trying to sound kind of cynical, but I was hoping that you came back and said, "Look, it's more than you could ever imagine to get back." Because it sounds like it. And what struck me as you casually explained this in the beginning is, you guys go down and perform miracles. I mean, a miracle is, come on, we, uh, we, do we really believe in miracles anymore? Is it like a fairy tale? Uh, and, and if we do believe in miracles, when do you actually get a chance to go see one? Yeah, the, the, I'm, and it's great. And we, we see miracles literally every single month that we go down. There are, there are children down there that um, are stone deaf. They can't go to school. They can't communicate with their family members. Um, and all because they didn't have a couple of dollars worth of antibiotics and they had an ear infection. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, you know, not only do we treat um, them with hearing aids and, and, and uh, prosthetics, et cetera, but we do education to the families down there to talk to them about, hey, when, you've, when your kids have ear infections, these are the procedures that you want to have. These are the antibiotics. We, we make them available to the local residents there um, so that they eliminate... Um, the ear damage that they have from from infections going unattended. Uh, we we have older individuals that are down there that have significant cataracts, uh, to, to the point where that they're blind. Right, so they're they're out in the, out in the fields uh, doing subsistence farming uh, without sunglasses. Uh, their their eyes are much more subjected to uh, getting cataracts, sure. and they're sitting 50, 60 years old, uh, effectively blind. Uh, we've got a full um, eye surgery team that goes down. Uh, three to four times a year uh, and provides hundreds of, 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 uh, of eye surgeries, cataract removals, uh, lens replacements, etc., uh, that really restores sight to these individuals and allows them to be a functioning... I mean, this is like biblical. This is bringing sight to the sightless and, and hearing to the deaf. I mean, this is astounding. It's, it's, we've got some great, uh, great experiences and great stories to tell for some of the things we do down there, absolutely. So how did this thing get started? How long has this been going on? Well, 1934, and uh, there was a group of doctors during that period of time that were traveling uh, via train uh, to go to, to uh, Mexico City to actually do medical services for some of the elite in Mexico City. And uh, as they were traveling uh, down, they they uh, experienced and, and uh, observed uh, some of the Indian tribes um, um, through uh, central Mexico that were clearly in, in need of, of medical services. And so... At the time, they went down um, on train and then horseback uh, into some of these Indian villages and provided uh, medical service. Now, of course, you know, this would be taking off a whole month and going down, not just a a weekend. So after World War II and there was an influx of pilots, um, the organization started transitioning to going down in general aviation aircraft, uh, and we've been doing it ever since. And how did you get involved? Well, I, I got involved in the organization because... Um, I was looking for a little something uh, extra, so I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a CEO of a of a, a business software organization. We hmm. implement, uh, you know, business software, ERP, CRM, human resources uh, software, and provide the products and services for that. And been doing this for thirty some years. And, and let's give a plug to your company here. What's the company? Well, the, the company name is uh, is Blytheco, but uh, uh, you know, I'd, I'd got to the point where, uh, let's just say. Running the company was not no longer a fulfillment for me, right? Yeah, I, I, right? I was very successful. I had, you know, beautiful wife, kids, grandkids, the whole ball of wax, and, and I was looking for something else um, to, uh, to add. I know some just what you're feeling. I hear more and more of my friends in their mid 50s or early 60s say, 
you know, like the old Peggy Lee song, is that all there is to life here? You know, there's, is there, is there some, there's something missing that you, you feel the obligation to give back? Absolutely, and and I was fortunate enough to um, uh, to have a an attorney here uh, locally for our state, uh, uh, Mr. Brown, and and he had introduced me to a book uh, called Halftime by Bob Buford, mm. and what it talks about is uh, you know changing the game plan from success to significance, right? And it really says, hey, instead of throwing your life away and going off, uh, you know, uh, hiking the mountains of Tibet or something. How do you take the skill sets that you've obtained um, through your professional career and apply them back in an area uh, that uh, that would uh, add real value uh, uh, and significance to your life? And so, coincidentally, at about the same time, this was in, in uh, 2000, a, um, a friend uh, introduced me to uh, Liga, and they were basically desperate for pilots uh, that month to go down, and they, they talked me into flying into Mexico and, 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 and flying some passengers and supplies down. And... Um, so after, I, I did it, and then they asked me the next month, and, and I did that as well, and, and uh, you know, built some friendships and relationships. But one of the things that w- was uh, very clear to me was that their their method of sending a spreadsheet uh, back and forth with member information uh, every month was a um, was a real challenge. Since after the third month, they still hadn't got my name and address correct. So <laughs> uh, I, I I started talking with some of the leaders of the of the organization and said, you know, hey. You really need to have a centralized environment and a, a portal. There's a better way to do this, guys. Yeah. Let's let's apply some basic business principles here. Exactly. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sitting in a in a uh, restaurant down there. We're on our settle, uh, second uh, <laughs> margarita. Margaritas, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I'm describing all of the things that they could do. And and I had an attorney on one side and a psychologist on the other side. Uh, you know, they're talking to me, and, and the next thing I know, the question came up, well, Steve, when do you think you can get all that done? <laughs> yeah, all right. Whoa, 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 I didn't say me. I said you. Give exactly. Me some ideas that's, when, that's when the hook got set, and uh, so I, I uh, started off by writing a, a portal website, which did all of their membership tracking, did all of their allocations of, of passengers and supplies to each of the aircraft, uh, and, and basically applied a lot of what I um, had been doing for the last 30 years in, in – um, uh, ERP business systems, automating processes, all of those kind of things, and I applied that to uh, to this particular charity. Yeah, and um, you know, and then my, they must my, have thought you were a miracle when you arrived and uh, started doing all this for them here. Well, I, you know, I, th- I think I arrived at the right time and and was able to automate some of their processes and allow them to grow. And then shortly thereafter, of course, we had nine eleven, and yeah. uh, that just changed the whole way you fly back and forth to Mexico. Yeah, you don't just cross the border anymore here. Right, and so they, they put in the APIS, which is, uh, you know, a, a rather laborious paperwork um, uh, mill that you have to send to customs and get approved before you can take off and everything else. So it, it was taking two to three hours to fill out this paperwork and get it done, and I, was, I, I decided to automate that process, and now it's about 30 seconds, and it automatically adds all of the passenger information, et cetera, to... Uh, uh, to the manifest, and then mm-hmm. print out all the paperwork for down in Mexico as well as up in up in the United States, and and so you know those are the things that I've been doing, and, and frankly, why I'm intrigued with the organization as well. I, I get to apply some of the, the business principles I I, uh, I represent to my clients, and, and I really apply. See if it. they really work. If this stuff really does what it's supposed to do here. Well, I'm fascinated. I want to hear more, but we have to take a break for some commercials here. So can you stick around, and let's talk some more about this organization. I want to hear some stories. I, I want to hear something that uh, that only you could see having been down there. We'll be, we're talking with uh, Stephen Blythe about the Flying Doctors of Mercy, and we'll be back right after a word from these sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 
to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's succession-strategies.com. Do you want a free analysis of your inbound marketing? Do you want it in 30 seconds or less? Then check out Marketing Grader, the free marketing tool from HubSpot. It's simple. Just go to marketinggrader.com, enter the URL that you want to analyze, and Marketing Grader will instantly give you a detailed report grading your lead generation, mobile marketing, social media, competitive benchmarking, and more. It's simple, it's powerful, and it's free. MarketingGrader.com Okay, and I can testify to it. I've used it myself. It's fascinating. Just go to MarketingGrader.com and you get a really quick overview of your website with some fascinating statistics and analysis of competitors and whatnot. So, And it's free. Like this uh, program, uh, again, brought to you by Critical Mass for Business, the company that uh, believes you can learn from others. And so Rick has organized his whole coaching practice around the principles of, of peer learning, bringing people together and sharing ideas, brainstorming, and, and from that collaborative endeavor, making your business bigger and better than it could be. And uh, today we're talking to somebody who kind of took that same idea uh, one step further here and began to collaborate with others on how to improve what had been a mission of mercy, but doesn't sound like it had always been the most uh, efficiently run uh, thing in the world, the Flying Doctors of Mercy. We're talking with Stephen Blythe, uh, who helped uh, get them on a, on a better path here. Anything else that you want to talk about that, that, that helped modernize them and get them more uh, efficient in their delivery of these needed services? Uh, no, I mean I think I, I've, I've covered that uh, that topic. Uh, so give us some stories. We, we all want to hear about what's it like. What do you see? You mentioned a couple examples, startling examples that again just reminded me. Like I feel like I'm listening to, to Moses and old-fashioned biblical miracles here, making the blind see and the and the deaf uh, hear again. Uh, any other stories that pop? I'm, I'm sure you must get asked all the time. What's it like down there? Well, it's it, it's um, it, it's an interesting environment. Uh, first of all, El Forte is actually a, a very nice touristy town. Um, it's the gateway to the Copper Canyon, which is the Mexican version of uh, the yeah, Grand. So Canyon. this is sort of in the north, middle Sinaloa, as I recall, is a northern state. So this is somewhere sort of in the middle to it's north the part of the country. very bottom part of Sinaloa. So it's uh, uh, almost down into the Puerto Vallarta kind of an area. It's, okay. It's uh, probably about three-quarters way down to Oh, okay. To there. All right. It's further down than I envisioned. All right. Yeah. So, um, so Las it's, Mochas, uh, it's uh, down by the Las Mochas uh, type of This uh, is off the beaten path. These aren't the these aren't the uh, touristy uh, resorts that we love to fly down and, and fly in and fly out, but we never really get to see the, the poverty and conditions that exist in much of Mexico or the third world in general here. Yeah, and, and this and this has uh, has both, right? So it, it it is a little bit of a touristy town because it's the gateway to the the, the Copper Canyon. So right. there are some nice uh, touristy hotels um, uh, there, but they're not uh, the Puerto Viatas or the the Cabo San Lucas uh, type uh, right. uh, tourist areas, right? It's very it's more real Mexico uh, touristy uh, areas. Um, so you you do have a little bit of that, but you've got this central block of uh, of a couple of blocks that are. Um, you know that have paved streets, and then you get literally get out of that, and you're on dirt street yeah. and, and uh, uh, hobbles as far as homes uh, go, et cetera. So, very um, uh, disparate uh, uh, lifestyles there. You, there's clearly some people that are uh, affluent, and there's others that uh, are, are not. So, who we service are the people that obviously are are uh, are, are not affluent and and uh, in are need, not in that right. middle of where you know from a, from a medical insurance point of view, you have. Uh, medical care in Mexico if you have a job right right so if you're paying taxes if you're if you're in a an employee type situation you have medical care however if you're a subsistence farmer or you're not effectively paying taxes because you're outside of the system you have no medical care and so that's that's who we help and uh, uh, it's it's amazing um, you know the whole that whole area around there is all Subsistence farming or, 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 or agricultural type uh, areas, and and are these are these uh, um, Indians? I know there's a lot of uh, I don't know what the correct terminology is, but I think of them as in you know we'd call them Native Americans here, but they're native to that part of America that uh, that isn't in America here. If that makes sense, is it is it uh, tribal areas or is it just poor part of society here? 
Yeah, so uh, there's a total of four uh, clinic areas that we do down there, and some of them are uh, specifically in Indian tribe uh, areas up in the Copper Canyon bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then others are, are um, more of a mixture of um, a general Hispanic uh, population. I'm trying to be politically correct. I don't know what you call Indians in Mexico other than Indians here. So, yeah, no, I, I think I think that's the right term. So, um, there's, uh, I mean, the very very this up in the Copper Canyon area, there there are um, several Indian tribes that again have very limited. Uh, and how did they pick this area? It seems like you could almost throw a dart at the map of Mexico and find people in need of these services. How did they pick this area out? Well, I, I think it really all goes back to this, uh, this this one doctor that started it in 1934, and uh, that was basically the the starting point. And then we it really goes down to volunteers as well. So we've got uh, a, a dentist who uh, goes down and, and every other month sets up a, a dental clinic uh, for the Indians up in the Copper Canyon area, right? So mm-hmm. you, you get someone with some passion, some drive to say, this is what we want to do um, from a medical point of view, and then Liga provides... Um, the transportation services provides the infrastructure uh, and the ability for those medical personnel to go and and meet their mission criterion or their passion. Mm-hmm. And so, how do people react to this? They've got to welcome you with open arms, and yet we hear so often of not everybody's happy to see Americans these days, and there's either you know anger or resentment or whatever uh, when we go into other countries and try and help is this is it a mixture of both are people happy to see you but also unhappy or is it just is it all good you know I, I've been doing this for 12 years and I got to tell you it's been all good I haven't really I don't have any stories of any negative components whatsoever hmm. you know I, I think so much uh, one of the items for me is, is so much in the United States right you see this entitlement mentality and right. say whether you owe me and and down there, I don't see any of that. What I see is, you know, you you give you give a, a farmer who's waited for seven hours out in the burning sun to get into the clinic um, to to have a doctor look at them for ten minutes. Uh, we give them some, you know, Motrin uh, for for aches and jo- uh, joint joint pains. We give them some vitamins because they got vitamin deficiencies, uh, and we give them a couple of other minor areas. And they're just so thankful that one, they got to see someone, and two, they've got some relief from whatever some of their discomforts are. Um, and, and and it's just really amazing the appreciation that you feel back from them. Uh, and those are just for the minor things, like I said, vitamins and, yeah, and, right. and aspirin, just right? Things we uh, take for granted. Uh, take for granted, yeah. right? But when, when, then when you see other other things where we're doing eye surgeries, or I mean, we had this uh, this child that came in um, with a, a broken arm, and I mean the bones sticking through, hmm. and you know it's and it's scabbed over and pussing and and everything else. We're asked how long has he had this broken arm? He's had it for thirty days. Oh my right? gosh. It happened right after the last time we were at the clinic, and and uh, so he's he's been suffering with this broken arm for a month, and uh, you know, and the ability to be able to, um, you know, to correct that and and to uh, kill the infection and 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 have this uh, child go back go to having a a normal life again instead of uh, being a disabled individual. So people welcome you there. How about the government and the officials there? Do they welcome you as well, or does this spotlight? something they'd rather not the rest of the world see or focus on here, the, the poverty and problems there? It, it's a combination uh, of, and, and the, the local government uh, are obviously a much more appreciative of what we're doing for the local per, uh, Obviously, right. they're, they're so. called upon to provide services, and they don't have the means right. to do it. So Right. So, so they're very, very appreciative, very, very supportive. I mean, the clinics we do down there, uh, are not just uh, U.S. volunteers. Uh, probably half of the volunteers are also local volunteers, right, mm-hmm. whether that's their equivalent of the American Red Cross um, that's down there uh, or other local um, uh, people, the Rotary Clubs, those kind of things, right. uh, are, are all very supportive of us and very supportive of our mission down there. Um, and then you get to the, let's call it the larger government, right, where you've got the federal regulations and the mm-hmm. rules and all of those kind of things. And, and so, um, you know, uh, bringing uh, medications, all of our medications, all of our supplies, uh, for example, are all, um, are all uh, uh, donated from, you know, hospitals, doctors' offices, uh, uh, drug companies, those kind of things. And some of them are in the latter stages of their, of their uh, potency, right? They're, in, they're, they're becoming expiring drugs. And, right. And so you think, you know, well, you know, 
a drug's at 98% potency instead of 100% potency, for someone who either has a choice of nothing or having a 98% potency seems like a pretty decent uh, deal since right. they're getting it for free. But then you run into government regulations that says, okay, can you, tr- can you transfer you know, drugs across the border that are in, in you know, that are expired or that are expiring or, you know, what are the permits that you have to have for medical equipment like um, uh, x-rays or for, um, you know, other uh, heart heart machines, those kind of things to take the them same red the tape and bureaucracy that drives us crazy here and in every country of the world probably. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And it's, it's on both sides of the border, so... But so, those are the things we have to get past. So ha- uh, I have to. T- I'm sorry, this is just going by so quickly. I got to break and take another set of commercials here in a second. But when I come back, I want to talk about the evolution of the organization. Is it growing? Is it changing in any way? And maybe you can touch upon. You said you've been doing this for 12 years. What have you seen change in Mexico? Are, are we are we trying to hold back the ocean here? Is it overwhelming the, the, what you're seeing, or are things getting any better down there? I want to get into all of that a little bit, but first we've got to take a word for the sponsors here. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. And we're back with Stephen Blythe, a local CEO in high tech, who found himself at uh, midlife saying, there's got to be something else I can get involved with here, and now spends his time and money and his own plane, I gather, to fly doctors down to Mexico, the Flying Doctors of Mercy, so they can provide what the locals otherwise would go without. We talked before the break about the situation you've been doing this for 12 years is it getting better it's getting worse give us some assessment we we think of mexico as just this failed society down there no i i don't see mexico that way i'm i'm down in mexico uh, monthly uh, on not only for liga but for other organizations and and for personal travel and and um you know i i i enjoy the diversity first diversity of the or- of the country and i um I, you know, I, I don't look at it necessarily as being bad. You, you hear all kinds of stories, obviously, about Mexico, oh, the drug traffic. Oh, it seems like, according to the nightly wars. news, the drug lords are running the country now, and there's uh, killing in the streets and people being beheaded uh, all over the place, and it just seems like a country on the verge of collapse here. Well, you know, that, that stuff sells newspapers a lot better <laughs> than, uh, you know, the other things. So. Right. You know, you know. I, I got to tell you, if I uh, watched the news, I, I I sure wouldn't want to go. You know, walk around uh, South LA in the in the middle of the night. No, either, nor right? nor would I want to go to Mexico these days. It just seems yeah. a frightening place that's uh, that's fighting for its very survival. But you don't see it that way in the in the hinterlands here. Well, you know, there I, there, there are pockets of problems depending on where you are. Most of those are related to border towns. Most of them are related to turf, um, you know, uh, challenges. You know, very similar to the gang wars up in, in South LA, maybe. Right. But, right. but uh, you know, it, it's uh, like I tell volunteers going down there: if you if you treat people with respect, um, you know, whether it's the local officials and, and those kind of things, 
uh, if you don't become the ugly American, uh, you know, right. getting too drunk in a bar at night and all of those kind of things, if you stay stay away from uh, the drug culture or anything else, just like you would here in the United States, you know, if you don't get in the middle of a gang, don't get involved in a gang. If uh, if you don't want to be in, in, involved in drug problems, then stay away from the drug houses in town, right? Uh, you know, there's, there's, it's the same rules down there, right? And I think sometimes people check their brains when they go across the border. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I love one of the uh, favorite uh, phrases I, I read years ago, things not to say when you go to any foreign country. And people say, well, how much is that in real money? Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this you, is real money. You, you go down there. Um, we've got full support from the local community. Um, there's, you know, if, if you're... You know, not out at two o'clock in the morning with a drunken stupor, then you're going to get in an awful lot less trouble than you know. So you don't feel unsafe. You're not wearing flak jackets or being escorted into these areas with uh, armed guards or something. No, you know, and and I think you know some of that's also culture, right? I mean, if you go to any uh, airport in Europe, you're going to see um, you know armed um, you know vested guards, you know, with <laughs> yeah. uh, with submachine guns, right? Yeah. Um, and that's just a normal occurrence in any international airport anywhere in Europe. Um, you know, you go down to Mexico and you land, and the first thing that happens is three military personnel that, you know, have, have the average age of 16, uh, you know, are, are, are sitting there with guns, you know, walking up to your plane. Yeah. And, and that may be, you know, uncomfortable. Intimidating, right. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, they're just there doing their job, and, and, and frankly, the U.S. is paying for most of it, to, you know, for, to stop the drug traffic and, and, uh, and that. Uh, so... You know, it, once you get used to the culture component of it, of you know, hey, this is just the way it is. Right. Uh, then it's, it's not America, and yeah. and it's and it's a different country and a different culture and a different world, and they have some overwhelming problems. Do you think those problems are improving, or, or are you just throwing a stone into the sea here? I mean, I, I'm not suggesting any way, shape, or form you would ever stop or cut back on what you're doing, but I hear this quite often. We've had people on the uh, shows talking about aid to Africa or places like Haiti, and they do get burned out. There's a feeling that as much as we do, there's always more to be done. Well, you know, I, I think you've got the, that challenge no matter where you are. Look at the United States and take a look at the number of people that are, quote, in poverty and yeah, and that. Yeah, and, and the that. challenge with words like poverty and, and, uh, and that are really just, it changes every single year, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if we take a look from the 1930s and say, well, what was the definition of poverty? You know, they wouldn't have had flat screen TVs, two cars in the driveway, and and uh, <laughs> right. and and a you know three thousand square foot home that they were living under poverty, right? Um, and, and so you, 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 I think the definition of poverty continues to change every single year, and and it's that uh, approach of we're just looking to make everything better year after year after year. So, you know, in, in Mexico, there's a lot of stuff to do, as there is in the United States. We, there's a lot of improvement, there's a lot of opportunity for improvement, um, but. But, you know, you can only make improvement one step at a time. And, and so I think, you know, we do make a difference down there. Um, we do um, move the needle, um, but there's a lot of room for that needle to move and a lot of opportunity to continue to provide, um, you know, the services. So what provide. challenges does your organization face then? Is it just to keep up with demand, or are you looking to expand your range of services, or are you looking to grow into other areas as well? What what challenges do you face as an organization? Well, and there's, there's, there's a lot of challenges, especially in today's economy. Every single charity out there is just having a huge challenge with fundraising. To I hear that all the time on this show, you know, the, yep. the, the having to go back to basics and, and, and be more efficient than they've ever had to be because the dollars just aren't there. Yeah, I mean they're, they're far and few between, and and the ones that you do get, uh, you need to make sure that you can, uh, you know, utilize those as, as for the for the best uh, good of the of the uh, of the mission. So mm-hmm. that that's a big issue. Uh, number two is the you know the, the changes in bureaucracy on both sides uh, from from a governmental point of view. Uh, number three is getting you know qualified uh, uh, volunteers that are willing to go across the border and then coordinating those activities. Right. Mm-hmm. So every single month we've got to align pilots, aircrafts at airports with volunteers based upon certain skill sets that we're looking for each uh, month. And, and not only do we, you know, are we dealing with uh, medical volunteers, but translators, construction um, people. So we've got three clinics we have to maintain, and we're constantly uh, adding new exam rooms or adding new um, uh, medical components. And it seems uh, like you'd be responsible for these people now. If you're going to bring a bunch of Americans and, and convince them to go down and spend time and money to go down and help, once they cross that border, they're looking to you for protection or if they get sick or, uh, you know, just 
everything. You, you're 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 having to look out for these people and make sure that they they can do the job certainly, but can come back safely as well. Yeah, and we have a you know a wide variety of individuals. We have uh, you know sometimes some of our volunteers brings uh, their their teenagers down right as a mm-hmm. as a as a way for to get them involved in mission uh, work and and to kind of show them how the rest of the world lives sometimes. Uh, so, so I'll know, bet that's worthwhile. I can imagine. I'd love to see some of the kids at uh, affluent areas here in South Orange County get out of their bubble and see what the rest of the world lives like here. It, it's a real eye-opener, but I tell you, the kids that I've, I've, I've personally taken down there uh, and, and see down there, they have nothing but really positive things to say, and uh, it's a real inspiration, frankly, um, to... to uh, to see kids uh, get out of their entitlement type of a mode and, mm-hmm. and just recognize that the rest of the world isn't isn't uh, white screen uh, flat screen TVs and, no. and uh, you know BMWs etc. Well, I'm very sensitive to this because I'll I'll uh, I'll um, reveal one of my uh, own personal things that that makes me feel su- such a pull to this. Um, my wife and I uh, have a daughter that we adopted from Mexico. She was 10 at the time. And she had been raised in a very impoverished uh, village down in uh, Michoacan, and without any parents or family, or whatever. And her grandmother dies; nobody's there to take care of her. And suddenly, she gets smuggled into the U.S. and passed around to different relatives. And horrible things happen. She ends up in the foster care system, and we met her and adopted her. And so, we've const- through her have heard what life is like in these off-the-grid towns, these small communities in Mexico. And while it can be beautiful and wonderful and loving people, it's also very brutal and hard and difficult and different than what people experience in this country here. And so I think that uh, I'm getting choked up just thinking about this here, but I can imagine the culture shock that, that faces most people, particularly young people, if they come face-to-face with, oh, my God, this is the way the rest of the world lives. You know, it brings a different perspective. When my daughter first came and lived with us, She's in middle school. We take her to middle school. She came home just shocked, and we're like, well, what's the matter? She said, there's a thing called lost and found, and there's piles of jackets and basketballs and trombones, and, you know, like they just casually lose this stuff and throw it away. And she said, you know, people would die for a jacket, and these kids lose it and just go buy another one here. It's, It's a different world, different way of thinking. It's a completely different world, and and you know, from a medical point of view, we have a lot of um, medical students. You know, uh, third year, fourth year medical students mm, go down with us, yeah. and the real benefit for them is is they see stuff down there on a weekend that they will never see in the United States. Right? Yeah, right. All they've seen it is in a textbook and a video somewhere. Right. Um, and it's it's amazing listening to them. Oh, you know, I can't believe I saw this, and you know, da da da, and 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 they get to. They, they really get to experience something that uh, they won't ever see in the United States. And I guess, again, I'm just going to share my prejudice here, my own personal bias. Don't you guys worry that you're going to catch diseases? Uh, there's a lot of diseases that are commonplace there that have been eradicated here in this country, and uh, and food and water and all those things. You don't worry about any of that when you're down there? Um, I, I've never experienced or seen anything uh, that's been a challenge down there. Um, so, you know, I mean, we, we take standard precautions uh you know we have hand cleansers and and uh you know between uh you know t- touching different individuals or, or doing things I've, I've always got it i mean there's tuberculosis or other things that we just don't see in this country anymore here yeah. and you know that that you have to be very aware of when you're in these third world countries like mexico yeah i honestly have never heard of or have any um knowledge of anyone contracting anything down there at all so you know come uh, back with malaria or something or whatever some crazy thing nope well all right that's amazing you know because i would think that would be a big barrier to getting people to participate and jump in you know their heart might be open and their pocketbook might be open but you don't want to put yourself at risk or how much risk are you willing to take uh to to go to these places and do that but it sounds like you're approaching it much more as on the positive side not worrying about the negatives here well, you know, there's there's negatives and risks in everything that you do, right? And to me, it's all a risk and reward component. And what I can, you know, summarize is that uh, the, the rewards well outweigh any any perceived risks that I have down there. And and uh, the relationship we we build with the with the local townspeople, as well as with the other volunteers that go down. And and I, and I definitely want to recognize all of our volunteers, our mm-hmm. our pilots, our medical staff, our translators, and support staff. Uh, they do a fantastic job month after month after month um, providing 
um, support for our mission. So, do you speak so, Spanish, or did you when you began this? You know, I I, I uh, have about ten words of Spanish that <laughs> I can speak. Um, I do very well in a restaurant, but that's about the, about the extent of it. I, I can't help out in the med- medical arena. But frankly, a lot of our volunteers don't speak Spanish, um, and that's you know we have translators down there that can help us. Uh, and then, and frankly, there's a lot of locals that uh, that assist us as well that uh, uh, do a lot better with their English than I do with my Spanish. And what's your position within the organization? Are you just a volunteer? Or do you hold some executive position now in the in the organization? Uh, I've been on the board for the last uh, 11 years. Um, I'm their treasurer. I do their website, and I'm on the executive committee. And this is based here in Orange County. Is, do I, is that right? Um, or well, it's based I, in I, Southern California? Or <laughs> it, it, it's our, our official offices are in Southern California, um, but we have volunteers across the whole United States. Really? The majority okay. of our volunteers are Arizona, Nevada, and California. Mm-hmm. But we've got uh, people that fly down from Oregon um, every single month. Um, and and we've got people that come, you know, on a, maybe a one-off or a couple of times a year from, frankly, across the United States and, and in some cases across the world. But isn't that one of the common complaints about America these days, both within and without, that we just don't care about uh, each other enough, we don't help each other enough, we don't rally around, you know, we're all just individuals doing our own thing, worried about our own lives and stuff, and you're contradicting that whole thing. You're saying there's a there's a spirit where people are literally flying in from Oregon, forget about the expense, forget about the danger, just to just to help. Yeah, and I, and I think that's really one of the beauties of this organization as well, is, is that you're surrounded by people that are, are looking to give of themselves, right? And, and that is, is contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's an infectious... Uh, uh, that, that's uh, the infection. That's what you get infected with when you go down there. You get infected with uh, you want to come back and do more here, huh? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And I mean, the, the people you, it, it, you're surrounded by people that their hearts in the right place uh, and that are willing to give of themselves. And uh, you know, like like we said earlier on in the show, it's uh, you know they have to pay money every month to go do this. Yeah, it isn't free. Uh, you you got to give not only time, but it's going to cost you something to go down there. So, so obviously, in order for that to you know to keep going for uh, since 1934, yeah. you, you, you imagine that there is some payback for each of these individuals, right? And it's not a monetary payback; it's it's a pay, payback of the soul. It's uh, it's it's uh, the, the capability to feel better about yourself. At the it's end of a the chance to witness and participate in something we don't necessarily believe anymore: miracles. Yep, absolutely. What uh, what ways can ordinary people get involved if you're not a pilot you're not a doctor and you're not a translator but you still want to support this it is donations fundraisers or other volunteer things give us some range of how other people can help you well absolutely donations are always uh, welcome we don't uh, we don't have a, a budget at all for fundraising uh, activities uh, but we all always uh, would welcome any uh, donations uh, if anyone knows of uh, doctors or nurses or hospitals that um, you know, would uh, would like to uh, either donate uh, products or supplies, or donate uh, staff time. Um, that's uh, that's always uh, appreciated. Uh, you know, Do you have any connection with the Hogs and the Mission Hospitals and all those kind of big organizations? Do they? Do they are they aware? I'm sure they get hit up all the time for all sorts of things. But do you have any relationships with some of the big healthcare companies here in Orange County? Um, we do, um, and uh, you know we're we're lucky to have uh, doctors from pretty much all of the major hospitals in Southern California that are involved in Ligon and uh, good. lie down with us, uh, and or nurses or, or staff. But uh, you know you don't have to be an official translator. We have uh, you know 16 year old teenagers coming down uh, you know after two or three years of Spanish classes uh, acting as uh, hmm. translators as well. Um, uh, we've got um, you know uh, people helping out if you can you know use a hammer or do it have any construction skills. We probably uh, have three or four uh, people in the construction arena that are down every single month um, mm-hmm. working on some project for us down there. Um, so th- there's there's a, a wide variety of uh, of things will will keep you busy even if it's just uh, you know unpacking boxes and sorting uh, supplies right. and, and uh, you know fulfilling things in the pharmacy. I mean we you know we we have a pharmacist in in the pharmacy, but uh, you know there's a lot of packaging up of some of the of the. Uh, uh, the drugs that we uh, administer there in the plastic bags and, and those kind of things. So there's there's always something to do. Um, so if you've got the time and the desire and are really and, and and the money, I guess to to cover your expenses down and back here, 
you're willing to look at just about any skill or or volunteer from young to old from from semi skilled to incredibly skilled absolutely and we and that's the beauty of the culture of the organization we've we've got a wide variety of people from teenagers to people in their late eighties uh that that go down on a regular basis and um and the nice thing is we all get along great and and uh and do something really good for that community so what would the cost or commitment be could you just do it once could do you have to commit to a certain number of these what if somebody wants to volunteer and has the need i'm sure they're asking themselves well what am i getting into here yeah so there's there's no long-term commitment or anything like that um you know, we have people that come down once and, and maybe decide that that's not for them, um, or they just wanted to try it one time, and we have yeah. a, lot of, a lot of students, college students, medical students, that, you know, that's part of their graduation requirement. Sure. Right, they have to do service some, requirements. Uh, service yeah. requirements, right? Um, so, you know, uh, we fulfill that uh, for them. Um, and then we have others, um, you know, that uh, will come down once, twice a year. Uh, and then we have others that are down pretty much on every single trail. I'm not uh, sure everybody could handle seeing that kind of poverty. On the one hand, you feel wonderful that you're helping, but on another hand, it's um, it's got to be somewhat shocking, overwhelming, depressing, what, whatever adjective you want to add to it here. Well, well you know, I, I wouldn't call it depressing or overwhelming. I would maybe call it an eye-opener, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, get, you have a much a higher appreciation of the things that you do have up here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, and that, to me, I think is one of the positive things. It 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 allows me to rebalance myself. It allows me to um, to uh, you know come back to the U.S. and and not take things for granted. Mm-hmm. It, it allows me to um, you know have a different a different mindset and a different focus on my business. And, and you don't worry so much if the guy cuts you off on the freeway as you might have before or something here, or some other little annoyance happens. Yeah, you know, ab- absolutely. I mean. You know, when you see the joys of, you know, a kid that hasn't walked since he was three, you know, running down the road yeah. after a couple of surgeries. Can't um, imagine. You know, it's just, it's just an amazing, uh, amazing event. Well, I'll say something we don't often say in our uh, secular world here, particularly on the station. God bless you, really. I, I, I hope that your organization continues to thrive and prosper. I'm glad that we get the opportunity to present this to the public, and I hope that uh, through this uh, you'll find way to connect with other people and other volunteers not just for money but for time and effort to experience this how do they reach you give us some contact info phone numbers emails websites all that uh probably the the best uh, approach is a website uh, it's uh, www liga international that's l-i-g-a and international.org mm-hmm. and uh, there's a wide variety of uh, information videos uh you know, probably taking a look at the videos and the who we are button. Good. I was going to ask if you did videos. Videos are a very powerful way to share the experience, obviously. Yep. We've, we've had a couple of videographers that have gone down there and then um, done, done some nice videos for us that uh, kind of really show some of the things that we accomplished down there. Uh, but there's uh, uh, full details as far as what a clinic trip's like and how it works and what the commitments are on both sides. Uh, and then uh, there's a contacts button up there that uh, you can contact any of the officers of the of the organization, and we'll be happy to walk you through um, and uh, answer any. Do you work with any other? Um, I'm thinking of religious charities. I'm Catholic, so I think of Catholic charities. Or do you work with things like United Way or any of these other umbrella organizations that help fund other nonprofits? Or are you just doing this all on your own here? Well, Rotary has been a very um, Big supporter, and Good. a lot of the um, you know medical institutions here in Southern California have also uh, both manufacturers as, as well as hospitals and doctors have been uh, uh, big supporters of our group. So, uh, United Way and, and uh, those larger charities, unfortunately, have not uh, supported. But we would obviously welcome any support. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that's part of what I'm hearing again through all these shows we do is that you've got to be creative and reach out and create partnerships, whether it's public-private partnerships partnerships with other funding umbrellas like united way or catholic charities or i mean there's all sorts of groups like that 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 collect money and then disperse it to lots of other smaller worthy organizations out there and it's just getting the word out that you even exist because frankly i didn't know there was something like this that people could get involved in here in southern california well, we, we appreciate you bringing some exposure to the organization. Thank well, you. Well, thank you for being with us and sharing some of these touching stories. And, again, continue the good work. Keep up the good the good fight. And give us the – what does LIGA stand for? I'm, I, I'm trying to figure out what LIGA means here. Well, since I have limited Spanish, but I, I'm told that oh, LIGA stands for league. 
Ah, okay. All right. All right. That makes um, sense. So it's a Spanish word. I'm thinking yes. of its four initials for something here. No, no, it's a Spanish word for league, I believe. All right. Well, we are glad to be in league with you, and we hope that we can help you whenever uh, you need help. If you have any uh, other you know, uh, information you can send us, please keep us on your list here because we're always looking to run PSAs and other sorts of things, public service announcements for special trips or things like that. And, uh, again, best of luck in what you're doing here. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank okay. You. Thank you. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. We thank you for joining us. It's always touching to hear these stories about what's happening right in our backyard here. And I don't think we often, whoops, sorry. I don't think we often think that uh, there are easy ways for us to get involved or ways in which we can really make a difference. Think about that. How can you really make a difference tomorrow? That's what that's what this show offers you, some, some tangible ways in which you can really, if you really committed to, to doing something, not just sending a check, tune into this show and uh, you're going to hear lots of different opportunities and organizations highlighted. Again, I thank Rick Franzi who uh, uh, funds the show and makes this possible. He doesn't do it for any other reason other than he believes in passing it forward, in uh, collectively uh, forming connections and, and uh, sharing ideas and information for the benefit of all of us. So my hat's off to him and what he does, not only in his professional practice, but in his personal walking the walk here and uh, helping uh, share ideas and information with people about nonprofits here in Orange County. It's, it's an obvious need. There are so many of them that uh, we have no knowledge or aware of, and through Rick's efforts and others' shows, and well, there really isn't anything like this, so I'm going to say through, through, organization, through uh, programs like this, I think you have a rare opportunity to, to find out and sample what's happening here and, and maybe be inspired to participate and support or join. I think that's more important than everything. We can all send a check, but we've got to find ways to, to help one another too. All right, enough of my sermonizing. I'm just moved when I hear what people are doing like this. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week for more. Critical Mass, the nonprofit show, right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi.